Welcome to my summer layer. I'm your host, Sammy, Tuxedo T-shirt, Yunnan. This is a rare and classy episode. We're going to discuss Vincent Van Gogh. Yo! As you may know, Vincent Van Gogh was a Dutch post-impressionist painter, born on March 30, 1853, and tragically passed away on July 29, 1890. It was not an easy life. However, it was a productive life, and if his life wasn't good, well, thankfully, his paintings certainly were. Van Gogh was mostly discovered after he died, and that's still true today. You are invited to the Immersive Van Gogh exhibit, which, as I speak, is happening in Toronto, Chicago, and San Francisco. I'll have links in the show notes because, unfortunately, coronavirus has interrupted the uh, arty fun party. Boo. As the title suggests, this is immersive. Okay, traditionally, you go to an art gallery, you wander room to room, enjoying the art, murmuring slightly sarcastic comments. Right? This is a traditional art experience. You look, but you don't touch. With immersive Van Gogh, you drive your car into this large gallery. And for 35 minutes, the paintings, Van Gogh's paintings, are digitally splashed all around you, on giant screens, on the floor, behind you, on your car. Projections are coupled with soft, subtle, ambient music. The paintings come alive. You can see the sunflowers sway in the gentle breeze. A train goes by. The stars in starry night, they twinkle with bright mischief. This isn't still life anymore. This is life and movement and a celebration of Vincent Van Gogh whose works burst with color and brightness. It's a fantastic experience. So worth putting on pants for. It's pants worthy. Oh, and about this episode. This conversation begins with art producer Corey Ross. And about 10 minutes in, we're joined by another producer, Svetlana Dvortskai who was having a couple of technical difficulties. Typically, I'd cut and edit Svetlana's introduction to make it sound seamless. But because it's so fun, listen to what Corey Ross says when I ask him which is his favorite Van Gogh painting. And then stay to the end when I ask the same question to Svetlana. See what her response is. Oh boy, if you thought Van Gogh was controversial. Introduce yourself. What do you do, and what is your favorite Van Gogh painting? My favorite Van Gogh painting? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm Corey Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of the producers of Immersive Van Gogh for Lighthouse Immersive. Uh, and my favorite Van Gogh painting would have to be Starry Night. Oh, the classic. That's a good one. The classic. Exactly. I'm not very, I'm, I'm not creative that way. I, I I go for the classics, and I like the ones that are kind of a little bit later in his career mm-hmm. over um, some of the ones like Potato Eaters, which look a little bit grim to me when I look at them. I like when you know after he really started to explore color, for instance, um, and texture in the painting. Um, to me, is is the more interesting stuff. Yeah, the Van Gogh exhibition is it works because it's you're in a car, and the, because the whole thing is so immersive. 
and it's not static. The paintings are moving or you see a train. Sometimes they go up and down. It feels like you're actually moving. Like the car thing works. Does that make sense? Yeah, the car thing works marvelously. Now we have two versions. We have go what we call internally go by foot and go by car. So in Toronto, we built the exhibit twice in completely separate galleries side by side. So we, since, since July, we've been running walk-in Van Gogh and drive-in Van Gogh. Um, continuously, but the drive-in was 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 an idea that was came about because of COVID, and we wanted to provide people with a safe opportunity, uh, and we wanted to provide a, a, a fail-safe way that we could continue to operate and keep all of our arts workers employed, as well. Uh, but we really didn't know how it would work, and what we got in the end was really something quite unique because I, I think it enhances the experience and gives the public something that they could never get as opposed to a lot of the drive-in experiences that have come about because of COVID, you'll go drive into a drive-in movie and watch a concert and, and you're watching music through a windshield of your car, uh, which, which uh, God bless them for, for trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what, what, what drive-in then go is it, it actually enhances the experience. It gives you something that you never would have had without COVID but you feel like you're floating in your car and the projections are happening 360 degrees around your car, then down from the ceiling onto your car. If you have a white car, it shows it marvelously. Um, it's on the car beside you. And it really gives you, as you said, a sense that you're floating through the art. Uh, and there's a point in the show where there's this movement in the, in the way that the projection and the animation works, where every day I see everyone in, the, in, the, um, in their cars hit the brakes. It really gives you a sense that you're moving. Um, and it always puts a smile on my face at that moment <laughs> when I see everybody hit the brakes. Are you like amazed or impressed or what's the word that people in this day and age are still connecting with Van Gogh? Like you mentioned Starry Night, that's from 1889. Yeah, well, I, I think it is amazing and impressive. And I think if Van Gogh was alive to see it, he'd be blown away. Mm-hmm. But uh, am I amazed? I mean, the guy uh, was just such an extraordinary talent and, uh, and forward thinking and ahead of his time. And he really was was you know, turn the corner uh, on in, in so many ways on art um, that, uh, you know, it's not it's not surprising to me that uh, that he perseveres and continues. And I also think now, especially during COVID, he's kind of an interesting guy because of his real life story, too. I mean, his he committed suicide. He cut off his ear. He struggled with mental illness. Um, but the, 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 the struggles that he had with isolation, with mental illness, um, and the way that his art has overcome that and, and, and transcended that, um, I think is a story that people are really interested in right now. Um, and uh, during COVID and during when the whole world is isolated and looking for something redemptive and cathartic, um, uh, it seems to have found a voice in Van Gogh and in immersive Van Gogh in our, in our project. And is that why that redemptive story and that timely story is that why Van Gogh and not like Picasso or Dali or any other prominent painter? I do think it makes Van Gogh really for this moment. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think there would be marvelous um, immersive exhibits to be done with many other painters. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, our relationship with Massimiliano, uh, Massimiliano Sicardi, who's the creator uh, the animator and the digital artist who's created our Van Gogh exhibit. I'm, I'm looking forward to creating many more for us. Um, we're going to be working with him for the next decade. Uh, so there will be more, but I do think that we were very, um, in a way, very fortunate. The first one that we chose to do was Van Gogh. And, and I really do think that Van Gogh 
in a, as I said, in a really interesting way, fits in with this moment, with the zeitgeist of, of the situation that we're in. So this exhibition is curated, and it's not quite chronological or linear in terms of his, his career, but it's like a lot like seeing like the Rolling Stones or U2, right, in concert. Everybody wants to hear the hits, uh, but those bands have huge yeah. catalogs. And Van Gogh, in his case, he has over 900 oil paintings. So what was the curation process like? Like, how did you arrive at the flow, uh, which paintings to show, um, that kind of thing? This is a real departure from the way that you would normally think about an exhibit where a curator sits down and, and, and you know, tries to come up with either a theme. Um, like, uh, we were going to have a, a exhibit of, of Picasso's blue period uh, mm-hmm. in Toronto that... that Unfortunately, it was a casualty to COVID, but but it's 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 not that a curator has sat down and thought about a theme or thought about a historic a specific historic period. Um, this is really a a deconstruction and a reconstruction of Van Gogh's art. It's an it's a new piece of art that Massimiliano uh, and his musical collaborator uh, Luca Longobardi sit down together and create. Um, so if you the way to think about this because it's such a new experience that most people listening you know it's hard to wrap your mind around what is a projected art show and in fact when I when I first flew off to Paris to see Massimiliano's work when I was invited to do that I flew the whole way wondering well what can it be a projected (laughs) art show that two million people have seen why would they go to see this instead of just going to the Louvre and uh, if it hadn't been Paris I don't know if I would have gone but since it was Paris I figured well if this sucks I will go to the Louvre (laughs) but but what I saw was mind blowing because it's something completely new. It's a new way of in- encountering art and it's, it, it's an exhibit, but it meets filmmaking in a way and it's an experience and you're walking through the space. So, so what Massimiliano does, the essence of it is that he, he's almost like a music DJ. He, he takes samples from here and moments from this and he weaves it together and creates something new. And he does that in coordination with the architecture in the building. And that to me was really fascinating. So it's not that we're projecting on screens, we're projecting on the walls, on the brickwork, on the columns, on the archways, on the architecture and all the surfaces within whatever building it is that we choose to do in each city. Uh, And then Massimiliano has to sit down and come up with his concept and his design so that it works with and brings to life the architecture and is informed by the architecture. And then at the same time is fascinating uh, and quasi narrative. I'm not, I'm not telling you you're going to come in and get a true story, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you may get a story in the sense that you might get a story out of a Cirque du Soleil show perhaps, <laughs> um, but it is um, more a stream of consciousness. And so we, I asked Massimiliano, sort of, how did you come to this? And he said, what I sat down, the, the, the spot where he started in conceiving this was he said, what if we could see what Van Gogh saw in the final moments of his life. So that, that what flashed before his eyes as he was expiring, um, that wow. moment where your life flashes before your eyes. So, yeah. so that's what it is. And it's a stream of consciousness and it weaves between his pieces. We've licensed 400 different pieces of Van Gogh art from different museums around the world, the images of, of, of the pieces from different museums around the world. 
And then what Massimiliano has done is he's deconstructed and reconstructed this and animated it so that a piece will appear and then disappear and fade in and fade out. And there's movement within them. So birds fly by and clouds float in the sky and the stars and starry night twinkle and the, and the sunflowers move in the breeze, but things mold and become one from the other. And it's, yes, there's recognizable pieces. Um, and you're going to go in there and you're going to see potato eaters and you're going to see starry night and you're <laughs> going to see sunflowers, of course, but also there's pieces that you're, you're going to see because if there's 400 of them that you're not even going to realize you saw that as one folds into the other and becomes the next and, and it's, it's, a, it's almost a kaleidoscope. Uh, uh, and as I said, a stream of consciousness of images, it's something completely different. Um, and it really is a piece of art that stands on its own through the sampling and the and the and the reconstruction of Van Gogh's art uh, and 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 combining that with music, Luca Longobardi, um, who who composes um, the music uh, and also chooses music, some some that you'll know, um, and 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 then that is integrated into the show, uh, creates a full experience, but a completely different. It's not an it's not an art exhibit in the traditional way that you'll see uh, in a museum. This you'll see in a found space and uh, and it's it's just something completely different. Good, good afternoon. I believe that you have seen the drive-in, right? Yes. You just came back from the drive-in. Mm -hmm. Am right. I right? Okay, yeah, yeah I, I see. So that's, uh, and I'm sure you 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 talked about it <laughs> um, because it's it's a very passionate and, uh, and really winning, um, uh, really winning moment for for Corey specifically, since it was his uh, his idea mm -hmm. that he had to convince everyone, <laughs> and very good that he he was able to do so. I, I just wanted to add one more one more thing to what Corey was describing. What Massimiliano and and his team also really wanted to achieve is to present us with the Van Gogh as a man who was he as a man, as a human being? And, um, and uh, that's what I think that there, that's, that's another thing why they're different from, from uh, the rest of the um, uh, similar uh, attempts on, on doing Van Gogh exhibits. Getting into the character, getting into the mind and uh, trying to understand, trying to understand this, this genius. Yeah, it makes sense what you guys are saying because a successful artist basically has a unique point of view. They see the world in a completely different way than the way we traditionally see it, right? What makes this really cool is not just that it's immersive, but you almost get a sense of how Van Gogh saw the world based on how he painted it. Yeah, and you see the pro progression, right? As I was talking about the earlier pieces, the later pieces, I mean, his, his vision is... You know what's interesting is that he started, he started at age 29 and he painted for seven, eight years and did all this. There was this huge productivity in the period before he passed away. But there's also, you see an arc in his work. And it's interesting in our show, Massimiliano has this moment where there's this explosion of color. I don't know if you recall it. It's about two thirds of the way through the show. And then, uh, and, and you see this explosion of color and, and, and it's like you're, you're kind of witnessing the aha moment mm -hmm. that Van Gogh had. Uh, and then things really take off in this colorful uh, and fulsome way. And uh, that to me, 
uh, is what makes this so so much different than seeing a traditional exhibit is, is the way that that it tells that story. So what came first then? Was it the imagination or the innovation? Because this is a technical show as well. So you have all these paintings of Van Gogh and you have them kind of animated, but now you got to figure out how to display them and to like in like wrap up this found space, which happened to be where the Toronto Star Printing Press used to be. So what came first kind of like, was it the imagination or the innovation or like did the tech then kind of fuel some more of the ideas or did the ideas, or did you have the ideas and you had to go look for the tech? Well, all of this kind of moves along together. Massimiliano had been creating these shows in France for, for the last uh, 30 years. And he started his career using just standard slide projectors with you know those rolling slides and running around and moving them, uh, 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 images between slide projectors and moving slide projectors around. So now it's all computerized and with very high tech um, projectors. Uh, so the concept of these shows with projectors was something that originated in France. And we went to Paris and saw Massimiliano's work there, which is what uh, inspired us to invite him to create something um, in Toronto. But nothing can start until we find the building. Um, and Svetlana and I spent over a year running around Toronto, looking at different buildings. Um, this was all before COVID's Massimiliano and his, and his collaborators flew out multiple times to look at different buildings and say, hmm, maybe we could work with this one, maybe that one doesn't work. Uh, and finally we landed um, on, the, on this former printing press room of the Toronto Star Building, which is amazing because of its huge ceilings and its, uh, uh, and its brickwork and its architecture uh, and its location. So once we had fallen onto the location that's when the real creative work on Massimiliano's part really began. Um, and I'm sure that he had lots of ideas about what he wanted to do with Van Gogh. He had previously created a Van Gogh um, show in, in, in Europe and he knew he wanted to take this uh, in his mind to the next step creatively. creatively. Um, but um, uh, it, it, it couldn't happen without the building and, and everything from there kind of moved together in unison. Uh, so from the building, we know what kind of projectors we need, how many we need, the, the, the technology then kind of falls into place at the same time as he's um, working away and, and doing creation. So this is a bit of a tangent, but I understand how uh, the walkthrough works and now you've transitioned to the drive-through. But when did yoga get added to the mix? <laughs> uh, yoga wasn't my idea and wasn't Svetlana's idea. <laughs> yoga was one, one of our, the head of our box office um, has a very good friend who was a uh, bar instructor um, and then also another friend who was a yoga instructor and they approached us and said we really be, think this would be interesting um, and to me it was interesting um, and uh, it's proven to be a hit we can't keep the um, the tickets uh, every time we announce an extra block of tickets of yoga it goes completely so I'm really pleased and it was just another way for people to interact with the art at first, Massimiliano was a little bit taken aback. He said, what, you're turning my, my exhibit that I want people to really enjoy and watch carefully, you're turning it into a, an exercise club. Um, but it's not like that. It's, it's yoga and it's meditative. Um, and, uh, and it's really, I think it really just illuminates uh, the yoga in, in a new way. And it's, as I said, just another way for folks to interact with the art um, and bring it into their lives. Um, and I think that's important, especially now. But we actually, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I apologize for my internet. I guess, Corey, 
I, I got that disease from, from your internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you sound perfect. And I can't get, uh, I can't get the straight line, but, uh, um, the, there's a few other things that, um, we are developing in the venue and, uh, um, I don't know if you had a chance because I've been on and off. You had a chance to talk about the Illusionarium that's happening upstairs mm-hmm. and uh, no, uh, another uh, workshop. Uh huh. Okay. So, but on the kind of on the yoga uh, side, and approximately the same time, we've introduced the the flower masterclass which uh, to my knowledge hasn't been presented anywhere about an hour space. And uh, we had a master florist who has been teaching how to create the flower arrangements based on Van Gogh um, arrangements. And that was very successful. And now we also developing a few other projects uh, related to the live performance with with the opera singers, with the dancers and the technology together that's also going to be a completely new and cutting edge content that we're going to introduce in the spring and uh, and a few other things so that's really kind of a, a very uh, creative platform for us and we're also very happy that other artists can come and, and create uh, and we can help them to do so and inspire them to do so yeah, the- goal is to really create um, here in Toronto, in the, in the Toronto Star Building, a center for immersive um, arts experiences. So we, we have phenomenal amount of space there because it really was so big where, where the printing press was. We have 63,000 square feet wow. and we've divided it into three galleries, which we creatively have called Gallery 1, Gallery 2 and Gallery 3. <laughs> Hopefully we'll come up with better names down the road. Um, but ga- gallery one right now is walk-in Van Gogh. And that really is truly the most um, high-tech um, projection venue in Canada. Uh, and we'll continue to create new content and work with different creators, including Massimiliano, to develop new shows um, for in that space. And then gallery two, which is where you saw the drive-in Van Gogh, uh, mm-hmm. is a space where we can turn over and have more temporary shows that it's been driving for the last eight months, thanks to, thanks to COVID. But um, we had and have lots of plans to add new things in there. Um, and then Gallery Three, which is um, it's upstairs in the Toronto Star Building. It's up a floor, so um, it's it's a lot of space, but it's slightly lower ceilings. Um, in in that space is where we're launching Illusionarium, and Illusionarium is the world's first immersive magic show, and it's an exhibit that tells us the history of magic from Houdini. Uh, right through the modern era of television magicians like Penn and Teller. Um, and in each room of this exhibit, there'll be an experience with holograms and video and surround uh, and, and, and surround projections that um, tell, you know, and, and recreate illusions of some of the greatest magicians in the history of magic. And then we also have live magicians who will demonstrate some of these illusions. And so that's, that's the latest and newest thing that we're going to be launching um, shortly. And, one of the magicians is Jamie Allen. Yeah, so Jamie Allen is is uh, Jamie Allen's a magician that I've been working with for a few years, presenting his shows. He's fantastic in different cities around the world. Yeah, he's fabulous, and his his main thing in his own performance is the integration of high tech into magic. So he'll do illusions that appear on your iPhone, for instance, in his show, uh, and that made him the perfect person to look at how we could use technology to create this experiential, immersive magic show of the future. 
So, Svetlana, would you say then, like, is there an, a minimum age then for, like, can people bring kids? Would kids get into this? Like, would they learn? Or should somebody be a little bit older? Um, you're talking about the Illusionarium? Uh, well, no, I was talking about the uh, Van Gogh. But if you want to also answer the Illusionarium, because it's magic. Uh, I think magic's for any age. But specifically for the Van Gogh, is it something that uh, kids, sh- right. like, people should bring kids to? Or should they be a little older? What do you suggest? Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we also, when we're talking about the adults or, or let's say the people who already have been to museums or understand art or, or learning art or have an opinion on art, we never say that our exhibit is, uh, is replacing, uh, by, by no means replacing to actually going to the, to the museum and, and looking at the real objects. Um, that's that's just a new way of encountering art, and I know like Corey already mentioned that. But when we're talking about kids, like little kids, we definitely believe that this is a perfect segue for them to dive in into the world of art, uh, serious art. Uh, it's it's emotional, it's um, more understandable, it's um, um, it's it's more entertaining in the, in a good way. Mm. Um, and we've seen uh, a very different reactions from, uh, well, uh, similarly kids and adults, because the experience is so sensoric that if you're sort of, if you feel free, if you're kind of a, a free spiritual person, you start showing your emotions we've seen a lot of people and specifically kids who are dancing there or who are who are who are laughing or or moving or running like i mean it it gets into you and especially if if uh, um if you're a kid and you don't really understand what all of this means it's so beautiful and it's so emotional that like i said it would be a, a perfect start for for any any little child to get to know who Van Gogh is. Corey, I want to ask you a specific question. Uh, your company created the Art of Banksy exhibit. Uh, that was also in Toronto. Yes. Did that experience teach you anything that you applied here? It wasn't quite as immersive, obviously, but you had a number of Banksy rooms and a lot of the art everywhere, and it was an unusual exhibition because it wasn't in a traditional art gallery. So did you learn anything from that experience that you're applying here to Van Gogh? Oh, absolutely. That was our first experience doing an experiential exhibit. My company comes from from theater uh, and concerts, but mostly mostly we've been presenting and producing theater shows over the years. And I started to see that this area of experiential uh, and and sort of uh, pop up art experiences was really taking off uh, for producers in Europe um, and hadn't taken off in, in Toronto or really much in North America. Um, and I thought that we were really missing out on things that I was seeing that were interesting in Europe that, that just didn't fit in with the mandate or even the, maybe the physical space of the, the two main museums in town, the Art Gallery of Ontario and the, and the Royal Ontario Museum. Um, and I had been off to Amsterdam um, a few summers ago. And while I was there, I saw the Banksy exhibit uh, that was going on in Amsterdam. So um, as a producer, there was a huge learning curve in putting on one of these shows, just learning what it takes to turn 
a uh, old warehouse space that's industrial into a space that you can legally have the public in fire alarms washrooms <laughs> um how smooth is the floor so that no one's stiletto heel gets caught on it and <laughs> and and, uh, and they get stuck by the heel in the middle of a fire <laughs> um <laughs> seemed to be a big concern so the the physical producing and getting it done and staffing and security was a big learning curve in Van Gogh, uh, sorry, in Banksy. Um, all of that we learned uh, and then applied. Um, we learned on Banksy and applied um, on Van Gogh. But I think the bigger uh, and possibly more interesting thing was just to see how the public and really our public isn't necessarily the traditional art gallery public. We were able to attract a whole new public um, we're, we're at least 50% of our public is in their 20s and 30s, a whole new public to art and to see how they experience the art and, and the show um, in a physical way as they move through the space. Um, and for me as a producer, that's always what's, what's brought me to this. What's fascinated me is that moment where the audience meets the artist um, and, and you get this warm feeling because we're the ones that brought it together. Um, but um, this is a completely new way. It's completely different than seeing a musical theater piece and you're sitting in your chair in the, in, in the, in the theater and the public's reaction and the warmth um, and excitement that they get from these experiences is, is very rewarding. And, and that's what we learned on Banksy. And certainly that spirit carried us forward uh, into Van Gogh. So I have a question for both of you as we close. And I'll start with you, uh, Svetlana. Corey was just talking about the experiences and the way that the people were experiencing art. And one of the main ways that people experience art nowadays is through Instagram, right? We've become a very visual culture. So when you're putting on these like kind of large scale things like the Illusionarium or the Van Gogh exhibition, are you at all influenced or aware of Instagram and like that these will provide Instagram moments for people? Does it have any effect at all on the work that you guys do? Well... <laughs> I mean, we don't choose the content because, because we wanted to support Instagram. <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's, it's vice versa. The content that we have is so beautiful and, and, and so visual that uh, people who live and breathe by Instagram, and we totally realize that it's a huge percentage of the population, they uh, they make Instagram richer because of our content. So of course we we advertise there. We're very heavy in social media, and we understand and appreciate the the value of um, having a, a a great picture online. And we welcome everyone who wants to tag us and take a picture and 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 put our visuals on on social media but like i said we create the content first and then it's it's transferred to instagram like we don't keep instagram in mind when we create the content yeah and i think that's it's, it's an important note because when i said we were inspired by the kinds of things that were happening in exhibit and experiential art um in europe uh we, we weren't uh, as much as I am amazed by the concept, um, inspired you know, by the Instagram museums that have propped up in you know exactly. California. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. So, you know, there are producers who are creating content specifically to give people something to do 
on Instagram mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, all the power to them. I, I personally find it a little boring. Um, uh, we certainly are curating content that people are putting on Instagram. Um, but I think that the, the art transcends that um, and, and stands on its own um, and is, is, you know, as you just experienced this afternoon, very powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We've uh, been asked on several occasions, on, on many occasions, actually, why we don't uh, transcribe our exhibit in digital format. And um, even though we had some considerations, we decided, I think we decided completely against it because the uh, emotional outcome um, or in, in any type of outcome you would have by coming in and, and having the impact of the space and, and being in there, being present is not even going to be remotely compared to what you see digitally. And also what the other thing that we do say that for anyone who is experiencing drive-in and right now is the only way how you can experience it. We also say that we're showing, we're giving you 50% of experience. And that's why everyone who's got uh, the drive-in ticket, they're invited to come into the walk-in when it's possible. Because nothing can be compared, like when you when you being present. Yeah, it's like when you listen to a live recording of a from one of your favorite bands. If it's a live show, it sounds good and might be a really interesting arrangement of the song or whatever it may be. But if you were there and you were at that concert, and you got to hear that live. It has a deeper, richer um, meaning and a different uh, experience for you, rather than if you just like found it online or something. Absolutely. So where can people find tickets and they're like, all right, this sounds really cool. I want to go hang out with Van Gogh. Where can people go to hang out with Van Gogh? Well, I know that you have listeners all over the, all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're coming in Toronto, you go to vangogxhibit.ca um, and illusionarium is illusionarium.ca. Uh, but if you happen to be in Chicago, it's vangochicago.com and we'll open there in February. And if you're in San Francisco, we're opening there in March with VanGoSF.com. There you go, all the details. All the details. Are you hoping to have uh, more Canadian cities as well? Uh, we'll see. Um, we got as we, we have to follow where people are interested and excited about this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, could be more Canadian cities. Hopefully, um, there'll be more um, American cities and maybe even further further afield. We might we might even take the European concept back to Europe. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Worldwide tour. We also have a website called Lighthouse Immersive, which just been uh, enabled um, about a week ago. So we keep forgetting about it, but that's the name of our company. And that I believe should have the, all the content and, and geography that, that Corey just explained. Uh, Svetlana, I asked Corey at the beginning, uh, just to introduce himself, um, like explain who he is mm -hmm. and his favorite Van Gogh painting. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you the same. Um, sure. My name is Svetlana Dvoretsky and uh, I am uh, a founder and producer of the company that I've created um, 16 years ago. It's show, called Show One Productions. And the company mainly focusing on presenting the international artists in the area of classical music, dance, opera singers, ballet, and, and uh, international theater productions. And we've done uh, several shows together with Corey 
throughout the years and and uh, immersive Van Gogh we've uh, we've co-found and um, and and producing together my favorite Van Gogh painting what a very good question very 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 good question um Corey went with the classic Starry Night, which is a good one, obviously. That's like a yeah, top, no, of that's course. a that's a top ten hit. <laughs> of course, it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's not it's not Starry Night for me. I am actually right now debating between Potato Eaters mm-hmm. and uh, and the Self Portrait, okay. uh, but I think right now, as we speak, it will be Potato Eaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might change tomorrow, but it's very interesting that so many interviews that we've done so far no one ever asked that question it's um it's very it's very interesting thank you guys made me think yeah (laughs) thank Thank you guys for hanging out thank you guys for putting (laughs) on the exhibition as well sir i'm really smiling because you said i said i like starry night and i like it so much better than potato eaters (laughs) (laughs) i didn't bring that up i just let that part go i'll I'll let you guys sort it out (laughs) <laughs> all right thanks oh it was great to chat with yeah, you but you see that's why we have a balance yes yeah <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> all right thanks okay. bye-bye bye thank you bye-bye all right thanks sammy ciao yo thank you to the team at lighthouse immersive for hanging out and getting all classy with me I am Sammy Yunan. Immersive Van Gogh exhibit is a special experience and worth attending. Do check out the sites for Toronto, Chicago, and San Francisco, or perhaps additional cities for dates, times, and prices. As Van Gogh said in a Doctor Who episode, we'll look around. Art. You know, it seems to me there's so much more to the world than the average eye allowed to see. I believe if you look hard, there are more wonders in this universe than you could have ever dreamed of. Yes, look around. I believe one of the unusual aspects of the exhibition is that an artist, a successful artist, is defined by the way that he sees the world. So the best thing about this atypical exhibition is that it is immersive. By being in a car, it represents a movement, a motion. You don't feel... Static. Sometimes when you're in an art gallery, it can feel static. You just stand there. This is a radical engagement with the work and life of Vincent van Gogh. You're basically going to cannonball into his artwork. If you'd like to radically engage with me, I am on social media, my pal Sammy for all three. My pal Sammy for IG, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to me in a Netflix world. Van Gogh, yo.